0: home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. All
1: right, good to have you tuning in tonight. It is 7.06 Friday night, 6 o'clock for the countdown to kick off the game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats starts at 7.30. The Eskimos will try to push to a 6-0 record. Mike Riley, one of the performers of the month in the CFL. We'll see how the depth chart looks for the Eskimos when they put it out tomorrow. Uh, Van is uh, on the one-game DL. Darius Perkins is going to be the running back. Sean White is on the DL. Hugh O'Neill is going to be the kicker. I would expect that neither Ryan nor Neil King will be uh, able to play on Friday night, but we'll see how the depth chart uh, looks. Might see Kenny Stafford in the lineup uh, at receiver. Uh, not sure if Duke Williams is going to be able to go. He's been having a good season, but look for the uh, depth chart. Dave and Morley will keep you updated on Twitter and on the airwaves tomorrow. Baseball this afternoon, Jay Happ ten strikeouts in seven innings that matched his longest start of the season. The Blue Jays beat the White Sox five one. Happ improves to four and eight on the season. Justin Smoke extending his hitting streak to nine games. He reached base three times. Uh, Pierce and Donaldson added solo home runs for the Blue Jays. Pierce has been pounding it lately, doing pretty well there. Uh, Hockey Canada, the uh, the uh, World Junior. Hopefuls. This is at the Summer uh, Showcase in Plymouth, Michigan. Beating Finland 6-5 in overtime this afternoon. And we had Oilers goalies, Oilers goalie prospects, splitting the game in net for Canada. Stuart Skinner, who plays for Lethbridge in the WHL, and he's from Edmonton, making seven saves. Dylan Wells, Peterborough in the OHL, stopped 22 of 23 shots Finland out shooting Canada 34 23 so obviously a better day for Wells but Canada wins that one 6-5 in overtime Michael McLeod had the game-winning goal so uh, two of the four Canadian goaltending prospects for the world junior team at least as of now here in the summer are Edmonton Oilers property so that's pretty cool you can get me by texting 630 630 the phone number 7804960063. This portion of the show is presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. June Jones, former NCAA and NFL head coach, has been named assistant head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We'll talk more about that with Drew Edwards from the Hamilton Spectator coming up between 7.30 and 8. It has been a obviously very uh, troubled couple of weeks for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The Edmonton Prospects in the Western Major Baseball League started their playoffs last night in Okotoks, best-of-five Western Conference semifinal. The Prospects were beaten 8-2. They're just getting on the diamond tonight for the second game of the best-of-five, game three. Tomorrow at Remax Field here in Edmonton, If there is a game four, it'll also be in Edmonton. That's on Friday. If a fifth and deciding game is needed, that'll be in Okotoks on Saturday night. Here's a text from D.Y. Who says, and this is a a good one, and I think it's a good talking point. D.Y. says, weird how people are complying about the coaching challenge in the CFL, yet they want more available in the NHL. And... That is a very interesting text. I'm going to say this, D.Y., and obviously, I, I know you've texted the show before and you listen to the broadcasts, and I, and I know you write in about the orders as well. I, 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 this is what I would say about the NHL, first of all. I, I think people want the offside challenge gone, but I think they want something done about the goalie interference, especially in this market, because we all know what happened in the last minute of what 13 seconds left. Game five against Anaheim when uh, Ryan Kessler was holding Cam Talbot's pad to the extent that it was actually being pulled away from his leg. And all the officials looked at it, was like, oh, he was pushed in by Darnell Nurse, so it's a goal. And they weren't looking for a more detailed explanation of, of why the of why the puck went in and well, and why Talbot didn't seem to be able to get up. So and I think also what people would like for video review is kind of a personal thing. So I, I, I get the sense that yes, most of you who have contributed tonight are fine with what the CFL is doing. I know one individual texted in and said he thinks there should be you should be able to challenge until you're wrong. I, I don't know if people most people would want that. The NHL, and Grant Fuhr, I thought, said it best because he was—he, you know—he tweeted stuff about it, and he he came on our Face Off show for Game Six between the Oilers and the Ducks, and said, "Why is there not a former goalie participating in goalie interference rulings?" Now, you know, you'd have to have a guy who wasn't just always going to rule in favor of the goalie. But I thought that was a great point because the, an ex goaltender should have better perspective than anybody on was there contact and would that contact stop a guy from making a save? And he might be able to look at stuff and say, hold on, a goalie's pad doesn't separate from his leg on its own. Maybe the guy's grabbing it. Maybe that's goaltender interference, right? So, I, you know, D.Y., D, oh, that, that, that's a great text because it gets me thinking about some stuff, but I'll, I'll challenge you a little bit there that I don't know if actually people want... Um, more video review in the NHL but I think they want the standards defined and and who is looking at it changed because that we we've talked this to death and it, I mean it's it's humorous yet sad and you know what I'm talking about the iPad and the referees reviewing their own things you know standing in the penalty box or in the the, the semicircle where the penalty box is if it's going to go to a command center, go go you know go to a command center. Get three people involved. Maybe they vote. And some calls are always going to be disputed. And whichever team has it ruled against them, those fans, those managers, those coaches, those players are always going to be mad. But it it it's it seems to me that the system in the NHL needs to be changed. And I am going to say this. And I know a lot of you crap on the on the CFL's officiating. I I, I still think I prefer the CFL's system to the NHL's system. I'm talking about the overall system in terms of the coach's challenges and, and who does the reviews and I, and I know some of the challenges they might wind up being confusing and you're still not sure what you saw on video but I prefer that system of it going to a centralized command than the actual officials on the ice being asked to call themselves wrong and, and I think we saw instances where it doesn't. Now, the, 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 the NHL goal interference is one thing the offside challenges need to go away or should the NHL just say you know what you can ch- coaches you can challenge one thing in the game whatever you want you can challenge one thing in the game puck over the glass um you know an offside an ice you can challenge one thing per game and le- okay here's the thing just think of the uh what 82 plus plus third. just think of the 95 games the Oilers played last season i'm not going to include the uh the preseason games patrick patrick Bowers on the other side of the window Let, let's not include the preseason games so the oilers played 95 games that counted either in the regular season standings or the playoffs okay okay the worst to me the worst call and clearly it was at a significant time was the the kessler thing and and, and you know in that situation now was that was in the last minute of the game so in that case you know it's it, the, the league can step in Right. But that was the worst call in an Oilers game. The, the worst call in the regular season, I thought, actually helped the Oilers. And they were playing Columbus, I think, in December. And was it was it Johnson, the defenseman for the Blue Jackets, was given a four minute high sticking penalty because McDavid got clipped with a stick and was cut replays clearly showed it was Milan Lucic's stick that came up and accidentally clipped his teammate. I do remember that, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if you, now, the Oilers didn't score on the power play. I think they were up one nothing at the time. They didn't score on the power play. Columbus came back and won. Now, the Oilers could have got a power play goal on that, could have got two power play goals on that, gone up 3-0. Columbus fans would have been livid. And rightly Should, so. Should have John Tortorella been able to say, hold on, hold on, hold on. I just saw the replay and maybe I get one challenge a game but I'm gonna use it now, so my, so I'm not shorthanded. I mean, should should it be opened up to that extent in hockey? We'll give you one a game. Doesn't have to be a goal. Doesn't have to be offside. But you can challenge something, and we'll look at it. But you got to be specific. Now, now, what if McClellan would have been able to say, "Watch the pad," as opposed to it, you know, being called down from the league to take a look at? I I don't know. I mean, you can. We're we're. So I'm starting to talk in circles about it. But I think in general very much in general this is a smart move by the cfl and here here's here's the, the to me patrick and everyone this is the clear the clear clip i mean he was very very exp, uh, explanatory about it which i appreciated but here's the money clip where he talks about the intent the original intent of the coach's challenge
0: what was the original intent of the challenge flag system and it was fundamentally to correct the egregious mistake. You know, the one play that might truly determine the outcome of a game, and you wouldn't want the game decided by a, by a mistake by one of our officials. And when you combine all of those, and you see that a lot of times the challenge flags were being thrown because, because coaches had them available to them, and they weren't necessarily going to correct a, an egregious um, error, they were just used as a tool. And look, I love coaches, and I think they are one of the most creative uh, you know, groups you'd ever find. And they want to win so badly that they're going to use the tools you give them. But they weren't really being used in the spirit in which the original intent was designed.
1: So there you go. Ambrose stepping in here as a, as a new commissioner, but a guy who's been watching the league, former player in the league and saying coaches are are taking it too far. We gave them uh, the ability to have two, maybe three challenges per game, and Ambrose is saying, all right, maybe there's going to be a missed call or two, but I want the fishing expeditions to stop. And and that's what we are seeing. And even though those calls were, were debated, if you just talk about the BC-Edmonton game from Friday, those calls were debated. I, I called in to Dave after the game, and I was perplexed about some of them, but I also said they were close, and yes, they could have been game swinging one way or the other, but in my mind, none of them were egregious. Where I was like, "Oh my God, that was so obvious pass interference." Like I actually thought, I actually thought the most obvious one was Kenny Ladler uh, committing pass interference, and it wasn't called. And then they reviewed it, and and it stood as not pass interference. So I, I think the 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 worst of the, in my mind, the biggest error still helped out the Edmonton Eskimos. But uh, look. So you're going to lose your timeout if you're wrong. You just get one challenge, and I, I I I think this is, it. You know this this tells you a little bit about again about how fans watch the games, how how much you're willing to deal with, and I think it says something about Ambrosi and who he's going to be as a commissioner. You know, a month on the job, and he steps in and he spearheads this and he does it, and I don't think he's done. I think he was willing to go, go this route. I wouldn't be surprised if he steps up with more video challenge modifications. so we call them in the offseason. Uh, Dave says, you're absolutely right. The NHL needs culture change. Uh, D says, hey, Reed, I don't think you should compare the CFL to the NHL. It's like comparing the CFL to the NFL, but I agree with the uh, the call, less downtime, more game time. Yeah, you know, fair comment. I mean, I, I guess I'm just comparing the, the, the systems, and I think that—and leagues do talk to each other, whether it's the same sport or not. I, I do think it's relevant to say this league does this, and these are their general parameters— You know, I realize hockey and football are diversely different sports, and it's hard to compare the game flow and the rules. But I do think we can talk about how each league uses video review. Is it used on scoring plays? How much can the coach challenge? What, when can he challenge? Uh, And then, of course, and that was that was D. That was the key to what I was talking about. Who reviews the call? Who reviews the call? And I would prefer the CFL model. You know, or whatever leagues use a command center as opposed to the NHL where it's only the officials who made the call involved. That, that was my general point there, but fair text. I appreciate it. 630, 630 is the text line. Phone number is 7804960063. We'll take a quick timeout. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Oh, what's this one, Patrick Bauer? This is Monster Truck. Good Canadian voice. Uh, Sweet Mountain River. Pretty good. Not bad, right? Pretty good. Don't mind the guitar rock. Tomorrow, by the way, and don't worry, everybody, I'm not doing the whole show on this. I may mention it once or twice. Tomorrow, you know what tomorrow is, musically, pertaining to my interests? The 30th anniversary of the release of Def Leppard's Hysteria. You really are a huge Def Leppard fan, aren't yes, you? Yes, I happen to be. I have a joke for you and you're going to hate it. What has seven arms and sucks? Uh oh, you've heard it. And uh, it's actually nine arms because they are a five-piece. <laughs> you didn't even know they replaced the guy that passed away. Oh, yeah. That's like how much I nine, attention Like in though. 1992. Oh, boy. Well, well my yeah, face he, is he's red. been in the band longer than the guy who died. <laughs> well, you've really... You uh, still t- thought they were a four-piece? I, I don't even... I, I'm not a Def Leppard fan. I know very little about them, So... Well, clearly, if you don't even know how many guys are in the band, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> my face is red. That's, Wind has gone out of my sails. Very little. Yes, I've heard that joke before. It Doesn't bother me. Hey, man, if you do, I'm not telling other people to like them. I'm just saying I like them. That is a great album. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, it's 30 years old. It's 30 years old tomorrow. There, everybody. Everybody who bought the tape in 1987, just helping you feel old tonight. I was I was 2 years old in 1987. Oh really? Yeah. Jeez, you're a kid. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I, a was, uh, I was I th- was you, <laughs> you were you already bald? Oh yeah. Or you've you've always been bald. It started when I was about 18. You started 18 oh, months or 18 still in high school. years? Friends were pointing out to me, hey, you're going bald. Okay, yeah, so as a two year old, you were a bald toddler. Yep. And, and t- then two I had, I had hair toddler for a, a bit there in the middle. So you hit hair from about three to 16. <laughs> three to 16, yeah, a good 13 years with it. <laughs> and then it's been gone. <laughs> and then it's been gone. No, it's, uh, it's growing back on my back just above my bum. So it's a good Oh, off. there you go. It just <laughs> moved. It just moved. <laughs> thanks for that image, Patrick Bauer. <laughs> that's, that's That's magic for you right there. Uh, it is Inside Sports on six thirty. Chat. Did you listen last night? I did not. We had a, uh, it was my parents' anniversary yesterday, 47 years, so oh, I wow. did a little, uh, you know, you don't, after a while, you don't know what to get them for a gift. They and got Elsie, a listener, called in and said I should get them the Instant Pot. I guess it's, yes, that's what I thought, too. What? what? No, no, not Instant <laughs> Pot that you smoke. Uh, it's... <laughs> um, it's a it's a kitchen device that's like a seven in one smoker. I don't know if the it's, it's like a slow cooker, uh, pressure cooker, rice maker. I uh, I guess you can make yogurt in it. What? Yeah, a smoker a, and pearly, yogurt maker. Apparently, it works well. It's one hundred well, and seventy dollars. Well, and then you. I started talking to a coworker today, Jonathan down in creative, yep. who said he has one and he says it's incredible homemade smoked yogurt yeah sounds so, yeah uh... it combined it does it's, it but it says seven and one it does all seven at once that's the problem <laughs> no matter you can't what pick it apart <laughs> it's slow cooking it it's <laughs> it's deep frying it <laughs> it's it's pressure cooking it it's yogurtizing it i want to see what that do you call the process of making yogurt by the way <laughs> I, I don't know uh okay what were we doing we are doing a sports show. Well, we got a little bit of time to uh, talk about some other stuff. So, uh, Eskimos Friday, 6 o'clock countdown to kickoff, and the game starts at 7.30. Are you working Friday, or are you uh, watching the game? I will be traveling, heading back home. Where's Actually, home? Saskatchewan. Oh, you like the Riders, don't you? I'm a Riders fan, yeah. You have to. It's the one professional sports team we have in the province, right? Yes. I mean, if you if, if you have a Bombers fan in Saskatchewan, they don't last long. We chase them out. You know, Dave Leppard texting in. He says, Ha ha, Reid, I've heard that joke told incorrect with seven arms too many times. Castledown's Dan, who's a great guy, volunteers at our Sanus uh, Anonymous Golf Tournament, the Gary Drager Classic. He says, What's not to like about Def Leppard? And uh, one texture says, Damn you, Reed, ha ha, now I feel old. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> well, I'll say this about aging. It beats the alternative. So enj- right. enjoy the experience. Every day is a good day, right? Just try missing one once. It is. Uh, is Are we going to commercial already? 7.27. we got the news coming up. Drew Edwards is going to tell you what's going on with all the uh, infighting and, and the turmoil with the Hamilton Tiger Cats when we get back. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chen.
0: I think the amazing thing about uh, the golf game is you you really don't have teammates to rely upon to pick you up when you're down or to... Give you a little bit of a boost. You know, your caddy becomes a very important resource that way. But um, I I think the amazing thing about great golfers is just their mental toughness and how they can shake off bad shots. And I can tell you, as a as a younger golfer myself, I never seemed to have bad thoughts in my head. Now, as a 50 year old, they just they won't go away. I'm lining up a three foot putt, and all I can think about is negative thoughts. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty uh, impressive how the these uh, golfers are able to tackle and listen they're they're trying to aspire to that next level and I I think that's uh, even more exciting to see
1: uh, the beginning of some good young careers. Craig Simpson Oilers alumni speaking about the wonderful game of golf at the Oil Country Classic Celebrity Pro-Am yesterday. Simpson always a a very uh, well-spoken analyst on on hockey and and, and interesting thoughts on golf. And as he said, he he can't keep the negative thoughts out of his head. I think we've all been there on the golf course. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's Inside Sports on 630 Ched. Speaking of negative thoughts and negative energy, there is a team in the Canadian Football League that is 0-5. They lost their last game by 59 points. And they had about a 20-player fight at practice earlier this week. Drew Edwards covers the Hamilton Tiger Cats for the Hamilton Spectator. Drew, you're on with Reed Wilkins. How are you doing, buddy? Not too bad. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's pretty, you forgot, uh, to, mention the, you forgot the, to, to mention the addition of a new head,
2: uh, assistant head coach this week as well.
1: Well, I'm getting to that, buddy. I just I, I don't <laughs> necessarily see that as negative energy. Or should I see that uh, as negative energy?
2: Uh, I, I don't know. I guess we'll see how, how it turns out. I think there's some uncertainty around it. Uh, it could be a benefit at the end of the day. But I think there is certainly some... Some question marks about what role June Jones will play, what it means for the Ty Cats, what it means for offensive coordinator Stephen Potassic. Uh So there are some. I think there are some questions. I think overall, uh, it has the potential, though, to be a, a net benefit. You're right in that regard.
1: Okay, so but tell me a little bit be, because it's kind of rare. And, and June Jones, if people uh, kind of know the name but can't remember, uh, I mean, NCAA. Where was he? Hawaii, uh, SMU. Uh, mm-hmm. In the NFL, and if, and if you look up run and shoot offense, he's kind of synonymous with it, right? So, sure.
2: yeah, him and Mouse Davis, right? Him and Mouse Davis were sort of the the fathers of the run and shoot offense, which was uh, you know sort of the, the a very popular offense in sort of the the '90s. Or, you know, he worked with guys like Brett Favre, and he worked with guys like Jim Kelly. Uh, so, yeah, he's a very, very well known guy in in sort of football circles. Now, he's been out of of the coaching game for the last three years or so, uh, working at a high school in Hawaii essentially. He doesn't have a ton of CFL experience. He was a coordinator, offense coordinator for the Ottawa Rough Riders back in, I think, 1986, somewhere around there. And he was a a quarterback for the Toronto Argonauts for a cup of coffee back before that time. So uh, he doesn't have a ton of CFL experience, but certainly a guy that has a, a very long... Uh, football resume and is is well-respected in football circles as certainly an offensive pioneer.
1: Okay, so who made the decision to hire him? Was this Austin? Was this Mm -hmm. ownership making sure somebody is there just in case? Like Who said, let's bring this guy in for for the sixth game of the season?
2: Yeah, no, I think uh, uh, June Jones has a relationship uh, with General Manager Eric Tillman. Uh, and Eric and, and June Jones are close, and obviously Kent and Eric are close. So I think as the tigers look through their challenges, um, one of the things I think that they've they've focused on is sort of the struggles they've had on offense. And so I think uh, that that you know Eric suggested to Kent that maybe this could be a good idea. Uh, I, I think Kent talked it over with June Jones and and they've had a number of conversations this week. And then uh, Eric and Kent brought it to, uh, CEO Scott Mitchell and owner Bob Young has something that they wanted to do and got their support. So this is, by all accounts, uh, something that Austin uh, has suggested and wanted to implement. Uh, my understanding is that Jones's contract is only through the rema- remainder of the season, okay. uh, and obviously Austin is signed through the next two years. So uh, although it would look as though they're sort of installing The perception could be that they're installing June Jones as a potential replacement for Austin. I I just don't think that's how it happened. I think this is legitimately something that Austin is trying to get his offense back on track and get his season back on track.
1: Okay. What was it like being around the team this week in the wake of an 8.5 touchdown loss, uh, a brawl, every interview? And you and I joked, well, it was only half-joking, that Kent Austin is often testy especially with you, no matter what. Kolaros was a little uh, testy today with some questions. Again, half joking but half serious, I think, was my impression of watching the video. What's it been like around that team this week?
2: Well, look, I think that that certainly that loss affected them to a certain extent. I still think it's going to affect them until they play again. Um, I I think certainly Kolaros hasn't been himself the last, few days and maybe even the last couple of weeks. I think he's extremely frustrated by the, the state of affairs, as they all are. Uh, you know, you mentioned the fight off the top. Um, I think that's an example of some of the built-up, pent-up emotional frustration that they're feeling. Uh, Austin seemed to think that uh, it, that could ultimately be a good thing, and a number of the players I spoke to felt the same way about it. So, uh, we'll see. I mean, look, how all of this stuff, the June Jones stuff, the fight... Uh, everything is portrayed will depend a lot on what happens on Friday and M if, if they play well, if they ha- find a way to win that game, all of a sudden the fight was something that that was a turning point, or you know was it, was a benefit to them. If they win a bunch of games in the next few weeks, then June Jones will have you know it'll be a terrific decision by Austin. I mean, the narratives of of these events is going to be based and developed around what happens next, right? And if they don't do well, then it's going to be just another example of of the bad things that are happening. So uh, I think you can interpret them any way you want, and ultimately the judgment will be passed on how the team performs in the next few weeks.
1: Drew Edwards joining us on Inside Sports, covers the Tiger Cats for the Hamilton Spectator. He's also an editor with Three Down Nation. I I, I, I hate to dwell on it, but it's interesting when there is a I mean, there are fights in football all the time, mostly in training camp, I feel comfortable saying, and most of them mm-hmm. not involving almost half the team. What set it off and kind of escalated it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, there was a little bit of pushing and shoving between Caleros and one of the defensive players on the play before. And I think that there were some words exchanged and, you know, there was a little bit of bad blood got blown in. And then on the very next play, um One of the defensive linemen, a rookie by the name of Antonio Coleman, who's played a little bit in the NFL, he went pretty hard after uh, Ryan Bauman, a veteran offensive lineman, and Bauman took exception to that. That started the scrap. Um, And then a lot of guys just jumped in. And it was, you know, there were a, a lot of sort of pushing and shoving and grabbing, and there were a couple of punches thrown, and there was lots of chirping and that sort of thing. You could sort of feel the emotion sort of boiling over at that point. So it probably lasted 90 seconds, maybe a couple of minutes. Uh, A number of veteran players stepped in to sort of play peacemaker. You saw coaches get involved. Um, And then at the end of practice, Bombin, Mike Filer, who was involved as well, offensive lineman and a veteran guy, Uh, Emmanuel Davis, a veteran defensive back, who was also involved. Uh, they brought everybody together, brought the whole team together at the end of practice and just sort of, I think, reinforced that they were a team, that everything was fine and, and sort of put a good spin on everything. And that, that seemed quite genuine, to be honest. The, the coaches didn't play a role in any of that. And have talking to the players afterwards about it. They were sort of chuckling about it a little bit. So, um, again, I, I think it, it is... Uh, an example of the frustration that they're feeling, uh, and, and we'll see whether it, it carries over into next week. But my sense of it, it's, it was just sort of one of those things that happens given the circumstance.
1: All right, Drew, it's, it's going to be interesting on Friday. I mean, I, I do not look at this as a freebie for the Eskimos by any means. I think the Eskimos are favored. I, I can't see how you don't you know, consider them favored, but you know, they're beat up. Hamilton led for. Almost the entire game two yeah. weeks ago, so I still expect a very competitive game. Uh, on another note, and, and uh, I had Randy Ambrosi on the show earlier, uh, and I, I, you know, said to the listeners off the top, whenever I say the words "video review," somebody wants to call in or text in, it's mostly positive for the change made by the CFL. If people missed it, coaches now get one. Challenge And if they're wrong, they lose the timeout. They only get one. Uh, just your sense of the change. And I, 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 I'll, I'll say this, Drew, before I let you jump in. I also think this says something about Ambrose, because I wonder if there's more to come. I mean, I think he might be a little more uh, direct with wanting to step in and make changes than past commissioners. Well, I
2: think that's certainly possible. He certainly acted quickly in, in this uh, situation, and he's acted quickly on the player suspensions involved in contact with an official. So yes, I think he has been proactive and quick in making his decisions. I think it'll be interesting to see sort of how this plays out, because one of the reasons why the CFL expanded replay over the last couple of seasons is because there were plays that were getting missed on the field, and people were seeing that on television, right? There were obviously missed and blown calls, and and people were saying, well, why can't they fix that? They have replay, and so they introduced replay, and now there's concerns with replay and slowing down the game, and and concerns with the, the quality of the calls being made by the command center. So I just wonder if, you know, in another few months if we'll be complaining about the state of officiating again, right? That's my only concern. The other issue is that I think that the, the league has also made a lot of progress in trying to cut down on contact between defensive players and and receivers, right? Mm-hmm. Illegal contact. And one of the deterrents was that you could challenge for illegal contact away from the ball, and we saw obviously teams do that on a fairly regular basis, much to the chagrin of fans. However, I do think it was a deterrent for defensive players for doing that. Now that the challenges have gone down, the number of challenges available have gone down, Will defensive players start putting their hands on receivers again, trying to knock them off roots again? Uh, and, and will that affect passing and will it affect scoring, which has been up since the league made those changes? So you always have to think about the unintended consequences of these, right? People sort of look at them and go, oh, great, there'll be less challenges and that'll be terrific, the game will be better. Well, maybe, uh, but there, there are some dominoes that may fall because of these changes as well.
1: Yeah, fair point. Drew, thanks for checking in tonight. Uh, I know you're busy. Uh, You've been, uh, I think, because you stayed in Calgary with the team, right? Now you're coming up?
2: I did, yeah. I'm actually in Red Deer, and I'll be in in Edmonton in another hour and a half or so.
1: Okay, perfect. Well, safe travels, Drew. Thanks a lot for checking in. On Twitter, you're just at ScratchingPost? That's me. Okay. Appreciate your thoughts, buddy. Okay, anytime. Drew Edwards checking in tonight, covers the Tiger Cats for the Hamilton Spectator. Smart comment, I thought, there by Drew. Could there be some unintended consequences of taking away some challenges? Is that going to increase maybe some of the holding and illegal contact on receivers? Uh, we shall see. The one thing about uh, rule changes, they can always go back, right? Randy Ambrose can always go back and say, hey, I thought we needed to try something else. It didn't work as well as what we had before. The rules are always fluid, right? But I, I think this is a change that I want to see how it goes. It is 746. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chad. You can call seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can text 63630. Uh, Tom texts in. He says, every time a football coach flags for a review, a kicker loses his wings. <laughs> That's a good one. Always appreciate the hubris text. We're going to take a quick timeout. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630
3: Chad. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.
1: Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. It's 749 Inside Sports on 630. Chad, Blue Jays played this afternoon. They won 5-1 over the Chicago White Sox. CFL making the change to the challenges today. It coaches now just getting one per game. And if they are wrong, they lose a timeout. Of course, uh, CFL teams, uh, what was it, two or three years ago, they changed it. You now you get two timeouts per game instead of one, but you can only use one in the final three minutes of the game. Anyway... Uh, Inside Sports on Six Thirty Chad, Mike Riley, Player of the Month in the CFL, along with Craig Ellingson, outstanding receiver for Ottawa, and Toronto defensive lineman Victor Butler. Oh, I forgot to mention this: Andre DeGrasse, the uh, exceptional young Canadian sprinter. He got a bronze at Worlds in the 100 meters in 2015, bronze in the 2016 Olympics in the 100 meters. He is going to be out of the upcoming World Championships in London that start on Saturday, run to the following Sunday. Uh, he has suffered an injury, so no DeGrasse at the Worlds. Usain Bolt, legendary sprinter, likely to be his last Worlds, so uh, he and degrass will not go head-to-head. Babe, Patrick, old boy. Yes, 108 years. That was a great interview with Hazleton, by the way. Yeah, man, was. he was well-spoken, uh, smart guy, definitely... Passionate about football, and I, I loved I loved how he explained that 108 yard play. You know, the positioning of the defensive back, how he saw him in his back pedal, trying to get in his blind side. Wasn't sure maybe he'd be able to get out, get to the outside, but he was able to make the catch, and then away he goes. He's got pretty good recall, yeah. Yeah. So, 108 yards. That's the longest play from scrimmage in Eskimo's history. The previous long, 105, Jason Tucker at Winnipeg, July 6, 2005. Pass from Ricky Ray. Do you remember Darrell Walker who had that 104-yard play last year against Calgary in the Labor Day rematch? Yes. Yeah, I think it was the first or second play of the game. I was so I was looking this up the longest rushing play in Eskimos' history, 104 yards by Jim Thomas in 1965. I do not remember that game. Uh, no, no me either. It's uh, it's faded in my memory. <laughs> in CFL uh, history, there have been three. 109-yard receptions. So the longest possible play you can have. And there have now been three 100-yard, eight receptions. So the Riley to Hazleton play basically tied for fourth for the longest play in the history of the CFL. Just a little bit of a tidbit. From scrimmage, there have been longer kick returns. Right, because you can yeah. take it out of the end zone, but f- from scrimmage is obviously what we're talking about. Yeah, no, that uh, that's going to be helpful one day in bar trivia. I tell you. Yeah, <laughs> You're good. You'll, and you'll cite Inside Sports as your. <laughs> I'd like to thank Reed, Reed Wilkins in for your this bibliography, reading. and. Uh, <laughs> People be like, "What are you talking about? they <laughs> yeah. can't cite it's inside sports and a guy we've never heard of as your source." Hey, look, buddy, you're playing for a free beer. No one cares. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what was that they Do they still? What was that? NTN? Do they still have that? What is NTN? The uh, trivia game you'd play in pubs when you got the the little board or whatever. Yeah, or? you got the little. Uh, the same. Like, it was like how you'd play QB One. You'd get the little console. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I don't know if they still do that. I haven't seen it for a few years. Have we moved past now that we just have smartphones? We just Google stuff or play, play games on our phones. There's probably there's interactive games that you can just go to a URL on your phone, and everybody in the building competes with the questions online as they're shown on the screen. Oh, of course. You yeah, just we've, get we've, we've surpassed something. the need for the console. Well, it's, it's, it's for for the hand. little, they were like little mini typewriters almost. That's weren't they shaped kind of like that? And they remember, yeah. they had the antenna you had to pull up. Because <laughs> I used to play when, probably mid to late nineties a group of buddies we would well they, we still we still go out I don't I don't go as often because of my, my work hours yeah. but there's kind of been a core group of you know 4, 5, 6 guys varying rosters over the years that will convene for Monday Night Football and clearly when I lived in Lloydminster I didn't get to meet them but yeah we used to play NTN or sorry we used to play QB1 and so you got the little console, and then another friend, and I, a blockbuster buddy. Sometimes we would go out after our closing shift, so you'd finish at twelve forty-five, and we'd go like have a meal. We used to go to Fargo's on White F, which is now the uh, now it's the Hudsons, I believe. Okay, on the corner And we'd, there. And we'd play. Yeah, we'd play NTN, do trivia. Good time. You're really strolling down memory lane today. I really am taking a trip down memory lane. <laughs> you know, reflecting on my youth and my childhood. As, my, as a middle-aged man with no future. <laughs> don't don't say that. Don't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's, it's fine. We're going nowhere. We're going nowhere. Tomorrow on Inside Sports, uh, going to be good. Brendan Ulrich from Oilers Now is going to uh, be in. That'll be fun. We'll have more on the Eskimos and, uh, and the Tiger Cats. We're working on a couple of other guests as well. So that'll be fun. I, get, I think Greg Reynolds from Kissing Country 1039 is going to come upstairs. He's always entertaining. We haven't had him on the show recently. So... Uh, you can text 636 780 496 63 is the phone number. I thought it was a very interesting comment from uh, Wade Gretzky yesterday at the Oil Country Celebrity Pro-Am. I asked him about the McDavid contract and then well, what lies ahead for number 97.
3: He's unreal. He's just a wonderful young man. And yeah, I told him when he signed he deserved every penny that he got. He, he's worked hard since he was a young child, and his parents should be very proud of how they've raised him. He was uh, guided tremendously in the right direction. He's brought an energy here to not only the National Hockey League, but obviously to the fans of Edmonton. He's a special, unique player. And like I was at 20, 21 years old, until you get to that next level of winning a Stanley Cup, you um, uh, like uh, Mark and I had to do and Paul Coffey, Kevin Lowe um, you're not comparable to a guy like Sidney Crosby he's got three Stanley Cups he's got a couple Olympic goals but Connor's only 20 he's going to get to that and so once he gets to that and once he starts knocking those things off the chart uh, he's going to go to another level but I just happen to think that He's a really wonderful young man, and it shows his commitment. He wanted to stay in Edmonton. He signed the eight-year extension. Um, I know the Oilers are really proud to have him, and the city's excited to see him play each and every night. All right, Wayne
1: Gretzky talking about Connor McDavid, and and I, I thought the key there was, I mean, he praises the young man, his character, his work ethic, his family, his ability, obviously. But I think you Wayne's also putting the brakes on, on some of the comparisons as well. And he brings up Crosby, who's the, the contemporary for McDavid, even though he's a I guess a generation older in terms of hockey terms. But yeah, he's saying Crosby has won this stuff. Connor has to get there, then we can talk about him in those contexts. And I don't think he's you know he's being negative or insulting or anything like that. I, I think that is just the reality. And it speaks to me of how, especially in team sports. And, you know, what's, uh, what are some of the debates? LeBron versus Jordan. Kobe versus LeBron. What, what movie was that? Where uh, <laughs> What was the movie where the, the, the kid is saying that LeBron's better than Jordan? And the, the older guy is just like, six championships. End of story. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's a recent. It's like the, the last either. couple of years. I just oh. thought. I just thought of it off the top of my head. But but I mean, a lot of great hockey players. You bring up had this many points, this many points, this many points. Marcel Dion's a great. Never won the Stanley Cup. I mean, for, for some people, the Brady Manning debate just stops at Brady has won more Super Bowls. Now I think Peyton Manning, in his prime, was actually a better quarterback than Tom Brady in terms of his physical ability and how he changed the position where quarterbacks basically became assistant offensive coordinators and changing plays on the fly, but you can argue that Brady simply won more and came through in more clutch situations. What movie was it? Bad Teacher. Cameron Diaz, Jason Segel. That wasn't Bad Teacher. Like apparently. I no. never saw the movie, but I remember seeing that clip. I saw it. Maybe it was Siegel saying it to a kid. I guess that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, it was. Segel saying it to a kid here. Just... <laughs> Lay into him the only way he can. Do we have the audio? There might be swearing in it, though. Let me, I'll screen it first. Hang okay, on, yeah, we still got a minute left in the show. Uh, this texture says Reed, what's up with Leon Drysettle? How come he's taking his time to uh, get a new contract? Should we be worried? Dwayne, you should absolutely not be worried. Uh, he will sign with the Oilers. There will not be an offer sheet. He will not be traded. He will be with the Oilers. I guess the only thing I would be a little worried about is him missing a significant amount of training camp. And, you know, maybe being rusty at the start of the season. But I, I wouldn't be worried about anything else. Okay, do we Hey, have guys, a...
0: I'm Carly Kloss, and I just created my
1: own. Oh, well, that wasn't it. Of course, an ad just came. in. What, an ad in. just came off. Yeah, it just, as just we were... kicks in just as I go to hit play. <laughs> all right. Maybe we we, said, we got 40 seconds left in the show. Oh, my God, it's like a countdown in a James Bond movie. What Is com- he good? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm going to fit it all in. I'm going to fit it all in. Here we go, here we go.
0: You're out of your mind. There is no way that LeBron will ever be Jordan. Nobody will ever be Jordan, okay? Okay,
2: LeBron's a better rebounder and passer.
0: Will you let me finish? Can you, can you let me finish? Call me when LeBron has six championships.
2: That's your only argument. It's
0: the only argument I need, Sean.
1: <laughs> yeah, Sean, take that. Patrick Bauer doing a great job as the studio producer this evening. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Thanks to our guests Drew Edwards, Vidal Hazelton, Randy Ambrosi. Thanks to everybody who called and texted. My name is Reed Wilkins. Back at six tomorrow. Have a great evening.